So we have a tendency when it comes to following Jesus, and that is, Will said this earlier, Holy Spirit channeling, we have a tendency to overcomplicate things. We have a tendency to overcomplicate our faith. We have a tendency to overcomplicate church. I got tickled when you said that. I was like, hey, he's been reading my notes or something. We, get, we have this incredible tendency to make it a big deal. Do you dunk or sprinkle? Predestination or free will? Um, how was the world made? Is there a rapture and when will it happen? One of my personal favorites, how do you explain the dinosaurs? <laughs> right? So, and, then we, and unfortunately, on some level, some people, some churches, not calling anybody in particular out, raise some of these issues to the level of whether deciding is a litmus test whether you're a Christian or not. That if you don't believe the Bible teaches this, then you must not love Jesus. And it splits churches, right? It creates a divide in the family of God because we just, I want to dunk. Well, I want to sprinkle. Well, then we're going over here and you're going over here, right? And we, and we feel like if we don't believe everything a certain way in a set of scripture and we don't do everything a certain way, then we must not be a Christian. And let me tell you, that is overcomplicating the issue. Because there are things in Scripture, Now, Scripture is truth, Scripture is a guide, Scripture is authoritative, it even tells us that it is. I'm not refuting that. But there are some things that are less complicated and more simple and more straightforward that once you have those, everything else does kind of become, well, we like contemporary church and we like an organ, you know, and we all love Jesus. <laughs> so what I want to do this morning is I want to give you four questions Four questions that you can ask yourself in your quiet time, throughout the course of the day, whenever you feel like, I need to know where I kind of stand with God, like what's my, what's my jive, where am I at, how am I doing spiritually? Four questions you can ask yourself. And if you can answer yes to them, everything else is complication. Does that make sense? Everything else is like, yeah, okay, this scripture says this, this one says this, they're both true. We really don't know. It's been a long time what they were talking about. These four questions are what matter. They're essential. And honestly, most of them are found in John chapter 15. So we're going to read one of my favorite chapters of all of Scripture. Jesus' own words from John 15. Start, we're going to start in verse 4 today. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such, as branches are, such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burnt. If you abide in me and, in my, word, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I love you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for, your, for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. 
I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to bear to do to go and to bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the father will give you whatever you ask of him. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Now, Jesus is talking to the disciples. But anytime Jesus is talking to disciples and we call ourselves disciples of Jesus, then their words, he's talking to us, right? So here's this first question. If you want to ground yourself spiritually, if you want to know kind of, if you want to do a spiritual assessment, a spiritual check-in to see what really matters, the first question is this. Where does your faith rest? Where does your faith rest? And what do you trust for your salvation? It's really important, especially for us, because we're pretty good at taking care of ourselves. We've got affluence. We've got capability. We've got a nice house. We've got a nice car. We've got capability. And it's very easy to rely on ourselves. Maybe it's even easy, if you want to be spiritual about it, to rely on our own ability to do, to do spiritual things and to be a good person. But the evaluation question is, where am I trusting in my salvation? Is it in something I do? Or is it in something that Jesus has already done or does for me? Verses 4 through 6. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. So if your faith is in yourself, Jesus' own words to his disciples are, if you're not connected to me, you can do nothing. If you're connected to me, you will bear fruit. If you're not connected to me, you can't do anything, including save yourself. There is no measure of good that you can do. There is no Christian checklist that you can do. No Amount of money you can give to a church that's going to earn you salvation. Where does your faith rest? Now you may say, I'm pretty good some weeks. I'm not good other weeks. I've had a pretty good track record until the egg bowl. Now I'm not so spiritual. <laughs> you know, like we have these seasons in our life where we think, okay, I I'm doing pretty good. But hear the statement there. I'm doing pretty good. What are you relying on? Where are you placing your salvation in? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, which is 8, 2, actually I'm going to read through 10. Famous passage by Paul. You've probably heard before. And I always read verse 10. People tend to clip verse 10 off, but I'm going to keep it on there. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what He has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. And a bookmark just fell out, so that'll come back to haunt me later. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Through faith. The question is, where do you place that faith? Ability, track record, wealth, career, possessions, or faith in Jesus? The way this sounds practically may be, hey, God, I know I'm still messed up. I know I still fail you. 
So I just, I trust you for salvation. That might be the prayer. That can be the initial prayer that starts your relationship with God, but it could be the check-in prayer. Like, hey, I've probably been trying to do my own thing for a while. Ultimately, I know it's up to you. But verse 10 is added on there, and I think that's really important. He says, first of all, in verse 9, he says, if you could do it yourself, you'd be able to boast about it. Look how good a Christian I am. <laughs> Look how I've done for Jesus, you know. We'd be able to boast. He says, it's not based on that so that you can't boast. But then he says, but you are created for works that he made you to do. In other words, it's not that you don't ever do anything for God. It's just your salvation does not rest in your effort. So probably, in fact, this first question is probably the question. If we're going to simplify our faith and go, okay, Sunday morning attendance, small group, tithing, right theology, Wesleyan, Presbyterian, Baptist. If we're going to like get all that complexity, what truly matters is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Where does your faith rest? In yourself, in something you've done, or in the work that Christ has done in you and will continue to do in you? The right answer, of course, is the Sunday school answer. Jesus, Jesus that's right. Y'all know that joke, right? Whenever you're in a Christian Bible study anywhere, if a pastor asks you a question, you don't have to answer. Nine times out of ten, if you say Jesus, it's the right answer. Think about it. How are you saved? Jesus. Who's the author of the Bible? Jesus. Like <laughs> You can come up with any question. Nine times out of ten, Jesus is the right answer. You look all super smart and spiritual. But Jesus is the way to salvation. It's faith in Christ, not your own works. And the way he puts it in John is that are you connected to the vine? Now, he gives ancient Near Eastern people, this metaphor of being connected, a vine being connected to branches. Because you know that if you cut off a branch, what happens? It withers and dies, right? It can't bear fruit apart from the vine. It can't gain nutrition apart from the vine. The, the vine gives the branches the food. If you, if you cut a natural Christmas tree for Christmas and you don't keep it watered, what happens? Well, you water the trunk, right? How do the branches get water? Through the trunk. You cut a Christmas tree branch off your Christmas tree, what's it going to look like by December 15th? It'll be brown, right? Nasty. Won't work. So apart from me, you can't do anything unless you're connected to the vine. Second question that comes out in this teaching from Jesus. There we go. The question is, if you're going to ask yourself this, are you Bearing fruit. Verse, verse uh, 7 through 11. There we go. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided and abide in His love. I have said these things so that my, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So the second question, if you're going to evaluate yourself, is this. Are you bearing spiritual fruit? I'm not talking about productivity fruit. I'm not talking about, like, look how many things I did for Jesus this week. I mean, that's okay. But are you bearing spiritual fruit? 
Are you more loving? Are you more patient? Are you more kind? Are you more generous? It is attributes. By the way, I read the passage all the way through, and we've been working through this. Do you hear spiritual debate about dunk and sprinkle in Jesus' words? Do you hear spiritual debate about free will or predestination? Do you hear you must believe this in order to be saved? Do you hear the debates that we have over the Christian faith in this passage? Where does he lean into? Stay connected to me. And when you're connected to me, you will bear fruit. Now, fruit is not even a checklist. Fruit is not even a to-do list. Fruit, spiritual fruit, this might be the bookmark I lost. Spiritual fruit is from Galatians 5. This is the bookmark I lost, but I'm right here. Okay. <laughs> Ephesians, I had too much coffee today, can you tell? Ephesians 5, verse 22. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit, very much fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. How do I, am I bearing fruit is the evaluation question. If you became a Christian when you were 12, are you more loving than when you were 12? If you became a Christian two years ago, are you more generous? Are you more kind? And again, this is not, unless you want to do it this way, some of us are to-do list people. I talked about that one Sunday, right? Okay, this week, here's what I'm going to do to be kind. Nobody really thinks that way, right? I mean, you could if you really struggle with this. Okay, I'm going to do a daily act of kindness. Nothing wrong with that, right? We've been talking about practicing gratitude back during Thanksgiving season. This is Thanksgiving season still. We can be intentional and say, here's what I'm going to do to be more generous this week. Here's what I'm going to do to be more loving kindness this week. But if you start to rely on your ability to do that, you're breaking the whole premise, right? A person who abides in Christ will become like what I just described. It's not something you necessarily go, okay, how am I going to be loving this week? That person's making it really hard. <laughs> like, it's, it's not that as much as it is I am loving by nature because I'm connected to the vine. I am generous by nature because I'm a disciple of Jesus. And it's not a to-do list. It's not, and it's not be, to earn salvation. It's because I'm already connected to my source of salvation. It says, John 15, he says, God the Father is glorified in this, that you bear fruit. Spirit is your life, is the way you interact with others, is the way you interact with God, bearing spiritual fruit. And it, I didn't read it, but the passage before that is basically the opposite of all those things. And he says, instead of that, be this way. So there's this whole leaving our life behind and living. And at the very end of that passage, I read it, crucifying sinful, it's crucifying your desires. What does that mean? Killing your own kingdom in favor of God's. Killing your own desires and passions in favor of the passions and desires and fruit that God wants for your life. Are you bearing fruit? If you're abiding in Christ, He will give you these things. If you're connected to the vine, you will bear fruit. You don't have to manufacture it. It'll be part of who you are. 
the very end of 1 Corinthians 13, famous passage about love, and everybody talks about that at marriage things, and it's not even really about marriage, but that's okay. It, there's a script, this beautiful description of love from Paul, right? Verse 13 says it this way, though. Now, faith, hope, and love remain. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So I'm going to simplify the spiritual, the, the spiritual fruit for you. Whether you're doing faithfulness or kindness or gentleness or what, you're like, oh, that's too much complexity. Are you loving? Simplify it to that. Remember, don't overcomplicate it. Abide in Christ. Be loving. Because I guarantee you, if I'm being loving to you, I'm being kind, I'm being gentle. If I'm being loving to you, I guarantee you I'm being generous with you and I'm caring for you. In other words, if I love, the rest of the fruit are kind of coming off even that branch. <laughs> in fact, Jesus, the way Jesus says it in the passage, he says, abide in my love and my love will abide in you. That's what produces the fruit is the thing that I do that is the most loving to the person I'm interacting with will be spiritual fruit. And he says, the reason for this is so that your joy may be complete, which, by the way, is a spiritual fruit. It's not all the, all the fruit are not guaranteed, are not directed just toward how you interact with other people. What if you're kind and patient and gentle and not self-seeking and all the things that I read, that's a good person to be for yourself. If you're connected to me, Jesus, not me, Jesus, your joy may be complete. Because if you're living that way, you will have hope, you will have joy. But most importantly, what he says in verse 13, you will have love. But he goes further, because here's the third question, if you're keeping track and taking notes, I really do have four questions here. Third one is this, are you demonstrating God's love to other people? It's kind of what I was just saying, right? Are you demonstrating God's love towards others? This is verse 12 through 14. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You want to undercomplicate Christianity? You want to undercomplicate following Jesus? We've talked about this before at Connection. Love God, love others. Everything else takes care of itself. And he says it another way right here in John 14, or John 15, excuse me. This is my commandment. In other words, this is the thing you must do, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, to elaborate on that, he says this, no one has a greater love than this, that they lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. If you abide in my love, if you love others, then you belong to me. That's how we know. So am I demonstrating the, the, demonstrating the love God has given to me to other people? In other words, it's flowing in. Is it flowing out? But then he characterized it as a certain way. The greatest act of love is the willingness to sacrifice yourself for your friends. The greatest act of love is sacrificial to put the needs of others, to put the agenda of others ahead of your own, to seek their flourishing, to serve them, to love them and seek their flourishing and interests ahead of your own is the kind of love God did for us. God sent His Son, Jesus lived, died, 
was resurrected for us. And in John 15, he says, greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their life for another person. Are we demonstrating that kind of love to others? Love in the same way that I loved you. Question four, because it follows right after this. Are you participating in the mission God has given you? Now, this could add some complexity because your personal missional expression is different from mine. It's uniquely crafted around who you are. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. You have, he's done all this, your faith, not by works, but you were created for work that he created you to do. Each of us have gifts. Will and the team up here have musical gifts that I do not have. That is why I do not lead in singing. <laughs> that's why we have Will, because you don't want, that's why I preach, okay? It'd be ugly. We all have unique gifts. Some of us are better listeners. Some of us are more sacrificial. Some of us are more generous. Some of us are more wise. Kids, your parents are more wise than you realize. I tell you, you know. We all have spiritual gifts. We all have specific wiring. So are we participating in the mission that Christ has given us? Listen to verse, listen to verse 15 through 17 again. I had never read this passage this way before this week. And I thought, oh, this makes sense. As soon as I find verse 15. <laughs> Jesus says, I do not call you servants any longer. Because the servant doesn't know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last so that the father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. So he says, I don't call you servant. I don't call you slave, I call you friend. Because the servant doesn't know what the master's doing, but my friends do. Now Paul changes the nature of that relationship and even talks about being adopted children of God. You've heard that church phrase before, right? We're in the family. We're not servants of the family. God is inviting us into mission with him. And he has given us insight into what that mission looks like. To love others in our own unique wiring and expression. So the question becomes, the reason it's an evaluation question for us spiritually is this. Am I doing anything with what God's given me to do? Am I participating? Now, I don't mean just volunteering in church. That's cool. I mean, are you using the particular wiring, gifts, strengths, passions that God gave you for mission for the kingdom of God, not your own kingdom? You know Christian doctors when you experience Christian doctors. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know a Christian attorney when you experience a Christian attorney. You know Christian real estate agents when you experience Christian real estate agents. Okay? In other words, who we are and who he's made us to be has a unique expression because of who we belong to and who we are connected to. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you're a part of me, you will bear fruit. That's not just income. That is spiritual fruit in the context of how you live every day. Is any of this theology? Is any of this particular interpretations of a passage? Or is it 
Am I connected to Jesus? Is my faith in Jesus? Do, am I loving? And am I using the gifts God's given me to do? Everything else is fun to talk about and debate. What happened to dinosaurs? I don't know. Like everything else is another layer that we can, that we can have an intellectual discussion about. But don't overcomplicate it. Abide would be the first part of that. Am I connected to Jesus? Am I bearing fruit? But here's another layer that we always forget. Because it'd be really easy to run down this road of, okay, I'm on mission for Jesus. That's what Charlie said. I got to evaluate that. Am I doing good? Pause. Let's undercomplicate it again. Don't overcomplicate it. In the very end, Jesus wins. Don't overcomplicate it. Am I abiding? Don't overcomplicate it. We fail, but Jesus wins. This is Christ the King Sunday. And this, because I didn't lose this bookmark, is Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as the bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne say, See, the home of God is among men, among mortals. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For these things have passed away. Don't overcomplicate it. Jesus wins. Let's pray. Dear God, help us to test that we know you. Help us to test whether we are abiding in you and you alone for everything. Help us to ask you for everything. Help us to trust you in everything so that our joy may be complete. Help us to be as loving to others as you have been to us and as sacrificial for others as you have been for us. And remind our spirit that in the end, it is you that has victory. It is you that we belong to and you that we will dwell with forever. In your precious son's Jesus' name, amen.